0: This is what happens when you're late to sound check. (laughs) This morning, we are beginning a new series that is focusing on on the mission of Midland Free and also addressing some precepts to help us to move forward in that mission. And so I know that we have a, a mixed group here. We have people who are members. We have people who are longtime attenders. We have folks who are more recent to our bodies, and some of you are brand new this Sunday, so it's okay if you don't know the answer to this question for some of you. <laughs> no, that's fine. Do you know what the mission is of Midland Free? This is the mission. We enjoy and glorify God. We embrace his word, and we engage his world Led by the Spirit, everyone welcomes, plugs in, and reaches out. My prayer is as we move through this mission, as we see the Scriptures pushing us in this direction, that you'd be challenged as a Christian, whether you call this church your home or not, and that you'd be encouraged in your faith. So with that, let's pray, and then we'll we'll jump into things. Lord God, we are a humble people when we realize who we are and who you are. Lord, I pray that as we come this morning, that as we see your truth, as we see your glory, that it would stir in us a joy that we would praise you for who you are. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all honor. There is nothing greater. There is nothing over you. There is nothing superior to you. You are the be-all and the end-all. And for that, I pray that we would be humble worshipers seeking to make much of your name. Lord, I ask this morning as we come to this topic Help us to have ears to hear because perhaps it's a new idea for many of us. But also pray, Lord, that you would give us conviction because I think it's an area that all of us can continue to grow in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I was considering this series and this topic, and I came to this one, this idea, something kept Rubbing me, if you will, in the wrong way. What if we have gotten it all wrong? I grew up in the church. And I'm not saying that every church is this way. I'm not saying that this church is this way. I'm just saying, what if we, the church, have gotten it wrong? And and the reason why I think that is because I've had numerous conversations with people all over the country from all different backgrounds, all different church denominations or experiences, and many of them seem to have this common experience. Here's what I'm getting at. I've been taught from a very young age that we are saved by grace through faith. It's not a work, right? So we don't merit salvation, that it gives us no grounds to boast. And to that I say, amen. Here's the rub. That's what I was taught. But then it seemed like once the joy of salvation happened, we got to the cumbersome, burden, labor, begrudging act of now fix yourself. And then it was usually followed by a list of do's and don'ts, precepts to Follow. And here's what I'm saying, have we gotten it wrong? Have we turned the glory and the beauty and the majesty of God into a cosmic killjoy? Don't do this. No fun, no joy, no happiness. Live a boring life because that's what makes God happy. I I don't think any of the people in the church I grew up in would say amen to that. But that seems to have been what was frequently preached or taught or conveyed, whether intentionally or or unintentionally. And I think it's wrong because the scriptures don't seem to convey that. And so this morning, we're going to look at a whole bunch of passages. But kind of our key passage here is going to be from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. So if you have a Bible, flip over to Matthew 13. We're gonna be looking at a single verse, a single sentence in verse 44. Does obedience to the Lord mean no fun, no delight, no joy? That doesn't seem to be the case. As you come through Matthew, Jesus is teaching parables, right? Parables are stories that convey a truth. I do wanna clarify something here the story generally has a single thrust, a single truth. You can dive into a lot of the parables and say, well, well, what does he mean by that? And is that this? Is this this? Like, right? We, We tell stories or we give examples with a thrust. We don't want the person we're talking to break down everything, right? Like if you tell the story of the little engine that could to your little kid, you don't want your kid being like, well, what does the mountain symbolize? And what about the caboose? Did the caboose play a role in that? Like, no, the story is you work hard to overcome the things slow and steady, wins the race, whatever. I don't know how you guys tell the little engine that could, but do it in your own little way, right? You have a main focus. This is the same here with this. Jesus is preaching parables. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And he says these words in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. That's it. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field this man finds it he buries it again and he goes and he sells all that he has with joy so that he can buy this you might say this seems a little odd well let me explain a few things one banks were not common so what you did with your with your prized possessions is you would go and you would bury them so finding buried treasure was actually something that could have happened then and you might say so he's stealing someone's treasure Technically, the law at the time of Jesus telling this teacher really, uh, Jesus telling this teaching really was finders, keepers, losers, weepers. It really was. Unless you were a servant to somebody because then that person come and say, well, I had my servant looking for that treasure. So technically, even though he found it, he works for me, so it's mine. That's what could have happened. So to to remedy that, this person actually sells all that he has so he can buy the field. So now not only did he find the treasure and can claim, I found it, but he can also say, it's in my property. It's in my field. I own this. But the key to this passage isn't so much how the guy gets the field. It's the attitude in which he obtains it. He finds this treasure. What is the treasure? What's the kingdom of God? And the kingdom of God is more than just salvation. The kingdom of God is about seeing his, his principles and and his character manifest. The only thing I could think of, and I hate that this is the only thing that popped into my mind last night as I was laying in bed, is have you ever gone to Disney World or Disneyland? Everywhere you look, you see three circles, right? You see Mickey Mouse everywhere. He's in the architecture. He's in the way they lay the bricks on the ground. He's, as you're waiting online, there's like, there's like a Darth Vader Mickey Mouse etched into the wall of some star wars ride like he's everywhere you go you can't help but think this is mickey's place that's the kingdom of god everywhere you go everywhere you see everything you do everything radiates god and this person sees that and says that's a treasure The far exceeds everything I have. And so he begrudgingly sells all that he has. No, he doesn't say, oh, well, if I have to, I guess I'll buy this field. He does it in joy. Which points to something. He joyfully surrenders everything to receive something that he sees as more joyous to receive. He isn't selling everything that was dear to him to get something he doesn't want. The kingdom of God, God himself is more glorious, more delightful, more joyous than anything else we can have. That seems to contradict what I was taught growing up. It seemed like once you got into the kingdom, the party was over. We get to this, and we, we in, in, in our statement, we say, we want to be a church that enjoys and glorifies. And and I know that in our heart, it, we, sometimes that, that rubs us because we want to say, we need to be about God's glory. But here's the thing. There's no glory if there's no joy. Perhaps you're familiar with this phrase. This sentence comes from Pastor John Piper. He's probably most well-known for this phrase. God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in me when I am satisfied in him. The focus of this message this morning, if you don't remember anything else that I say, is that your joy is not inconsequential. In fact, it is essential to a life that pleases and glorifies God. Your joy is not inconsequential. It is essential for a life that pleases and glorifies God. We find joy and we glorify. They are two sides of the same coin. The more glory you see, the more joy that's produced. The more joy that's produced, the more glory that is manifested. You can't have one without the other. And like I said, this seems wrong. It doesn't seem to be right. But the reality is, is that the scriptures are filled with passages that show you that the Lord is for your joy. The Lord is for your joy. He isn't trying to rob you of Happiness. Of glad, of of peace, of joy, he is for it. The psalmist writes, Psalm 37, verse four, delight yourself, find joy in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm four, verses six and seven, there are many who would say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord you have put more joy in my heart than they have when they have grain and wine abounds. Psalm 16, 11, you make known to me the path of life. I sure hope the path of life is joyful. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hands are pleasures forevermore. John 15, 10, and 11, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. John 16, 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name, asking you will receive that your joy may be full. So it isn't just God. It seems like Jesus is a lot about joy. This continues on by his apostles. Romans 15, verse 13 May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Philippians 3, 8. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Why would you count everything as rubbish? Because Christ is better. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9, though you have not seen him, he's talking to you, right? You didn't walk with Jesus. You love him, though you do not now see him. You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. And look where it is. It's filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There's so many more verses. I don't have enough time to go through. We're going to touch on a few more as we go through this. Some of them will continue to pop up as we go through this series. The scriptures command us to rejoice. I don't know about you, but I can't flip a switch. I struggle with joy. Can I be honest? Too late, right? For instance, last yesterday, yesterday I was trying to help my son out hanging a, a pull-up bar in our basement. So, we got the fun privilege of trying to drill through cement. Realized my drill wasn't going to do that. Borrowed a drill from one of the elders here. Realized that the anchors that the thing had broke as soon as I tried to put my heavy fat body on this pull-up bar. Had to go to the the the, um, the hardware store buy a different anchor to, to hold this thing in and the whole time everything's happening I'm having frustration after frustration and by the way the elder who borrowed it I can't get the drill bit out of your drill so there's another frustration that I have and I'm like here trying to say just be happy God's trying to do something in here and you know what I instantly laughed and had a ton of fun no that did not happen There wasn't a lot of glory. I'm just trying to peacefully say like, Lord, I know you're trying to teach me here something. But right now, I just want this stupid thing to be done. And then I'm thinking about 1 Corinthians 10.31, which Dan read earlier, whether you eat or drink or trying to hang a pull-up bar, do all to the glory of God. And I'm like, there's no glory here right now. And there definitely isn't joy because this thing that should have taken me 30 minutes has now taken me three hours. So here's something I do wanna to touch on and I think is important reality. While God is for our joy, it does not mean they'll never be suffering. Please don't think that me hanging up a pull-up bar and being frustrated is suffering. It doesn't mean everything will go well. It doesn't mean everything will be good. It does mean that even amidst all of that, joy can still be found. The Lord is for your joy. It's not inconsequential. He moved towards joy. And if you don't think so, you don't know the gospel. We are dead in sin. We think we're living it up, but we are actually running to the cliff and to death and destruction and eternal pain and sorrow forever and ever and ever. And what does God do? He acts. He sends Christ. Why? For your joy. It's amazing that that when 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 Paul looks at this and he sees Jesus doing this, coming to this world, to face the cross, he says, for the joy that was set before him, he goes to the cross. He goes to an excruciating death for the joy set before him. What's the joy set before him? Not only that he would be resurrected, but that others would come to know the joy of salvation through him. It is impossible to think that God is not for your joy if you understand the gospel. So what's the problem? Here's the problem. We are too easily pleased. We are too easily satisfied. The issue is not that we seek joy. The problem is that we pursue poor excuses of soul-satisfying joy. We're not even looking for a treasure half the time because we are satisfied with the trinkets of this world. But yet our soul never really is satisfied because it is trying to find joy in finite fleeting phantoms. There's this quote from C.S. Lewis. Do we have this quote? Do we have that quote? Yeah, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. It's from the book, The Weight of Glory. He says this, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what it means to be offered a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. God has infinite joy for us, but we are too easily pleased. They're satisfied with mud pies. God says something as such too through the prophet Jeremiah in chapter two, verse 13. He says this, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can't hold water. Do you get that? He is—he is—he is is the fountain of life, but we try to find it somewhere else, and we think we are so wise. We dig out these 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 cisterns to to hold water, and and they can't—they leak. And it's—we're trying to fill it. We're trying to fill it, but then we go back, and it and it's just—it's cracked. There's nothing there. And and that's what we experience. Our joy isn't inconsequential. It's essential to a life that pleases and glorifies God. He is not a cosmic killjoy. He calls us to himself because he wants us to have joy. Not momentary joy. Not fleeting joy. We have exchanged the fountain of life and instead we try to find satisfaction in man-made Mountain Dew. I don't know about you, but I am done with it. I'm done chasing these momentary joys. If you're my age and you played Little League, you grew up on Big League Chew, that shredded gum, That's the world, isn't it? You're like, this stuff's amazing. And you put it into your mouth, and you would chew it for about three chews, and all the flavor was gone. There was joy for a second, and then you were left with this disintegrating thing about two innings in of the Little League game. And you would throw it away, and then you would take another giant glob of shredded gum, shove that into your mouth have joy for another three, four seconds until that lost its flavor. This is what we do, is it not? That woman, she's big league chew because you're trying to find joy in that woman or in that job. Or in trying to have a perfect day or in all these other things, we are chasing joy and it is bigly chew. You experience joy for a moment, but it is so fleeting. I want to be like this man who with joy gives everything up to have the kingdom of God. And why do I want to be like him? Because I have it already. If you are a Christian. You already have God. Why do we act like he is not enough. It's probably because we don't actually know who he is. Because he is far superior. Why do we not glorify God. Because we don't enjoy him. Church the reality is. Is we glorify what we enjoy. We Are commanded to glorify God. We were created. Like we read or or, or Dan read to us earlier. We were created for his glory. Revelation chapter 4 says that. God is worthy of all praise. All glory. All honor. Whether you find him enjoyable or not. That's the reality. But in the goodness and the grace of God. He has made himself beautiful. He has made himself beautiful gracious he's made himself something that we could truly find delight and satisfaction in. why because the things you enjoy you glorify it's it's the natural response think about the things you delight in think about your favorite restaurant your favorite vacation spot your favorite sports team your spouse your favorite activity pickleball cars uh Trading cards, whatever it is. What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite band? Who's your favorite artist? What's your favorite fill in the blank? You glorify those things because you enjoy them. And you might say, how do I glorify it? You share it with others because you want others to delight in it. You talk about how it's so great and it's so good and how it's better than this and oh, this is that and this person does these things, but have you seen this artist and what they've created? It's beautiful. We do it. It's the natural automatic thing. We share it with others. We ascribe worth to it. We add weight, right? Glory literally means in the Hebrew, weight. We're saying this is this is weighty. This is something you should look at. This is something you should consider, How do I know this? Because I do it all the time and so do you. We can't help but glorify the things we enjoy. Do you know what the best movie of 2014 was? The Lego movie. At least if you talked to me the week after I watched it, I grew up, loved the Legos, went to see the Lego movie. You know what I did all week after I watched the Lego movie? I told everybody, you know what movie you need to see? Grandma, you know what movie you need to see? Random person at church who just showed up for the first Sunday, you know what movie you need to see? The Lego movie. It's, a, it's hilarious, it's a great story. Oh, it's so funny, it's animated. You know what I was doing? I was glorifying the Lego movie more for a week than I did for God. That's funny, but it's embarrassing at the same time. I'm a pastor, and I'm inscribing more glory and praise to a stupid animated movie than to the sovereign God of the universe who looked at us in our broken state and said, I love you, and he sends his son who dies on a cross for my garbage, for my sin, so that I will never experience the wrath of God that I deserve. Instead, all I get is him, and he has promised to satisfy the deepest desires of my heart Why does he satisfy them? Because I was created for his glory. I was created to find joy in him. And what am I doing? I'm talking about a stupid movie. By the way, you all should see that movie. (laughs) But I pray that you would see the glory of God because the more you see him, the more you will find joy in him. The more you find joy in him, the more you will glorify him. He is beautiful. He is soul satisfying. He is amazing. We naturally glorify the things we find joy in. Think about the things you don't find joy in. What do you do? Do you glorify it? You condemn it, don't you? You go to a restaurant And you're halfway through your chicken sandwich and you realize this thing isn't cooked all the way. You don't go to people and say, you know where you need to go to eat? You say, that place is the worst. I was vomiting for days afterwards. Don't even go there. Don't think about it. You can't glorify something that you don't find joy in. Try it. I know a lot of you guys are interested in this this sport called football, And there's some game coming up. You're probably not talking about that other team. They're amazing. No, you condemn them. They shouldn't even be on the field. They don't know what's coming. What you find joy in, you naturally glorify. Well, isn't it amazing that God has made himself so glorious that it actually brings us joy so that we can reciprocate it back in glory. And the more we glorify him, the more we find joy in him. And the more we find joy in him, the more we glorify him. Biblically speaking, the joy that God calls us is an emotion. And it manifests In the soul of the Christian, right? it's It's an emotion that pours out of the soul of the Christian. And it grows as the spirit of God reveals to us the glory, the beauty, the grace, the majesty, the sovereignty of the beautiful God in the world around us and in his word. Joy is a response. It can't be forced. It just flows out. Have you ever had a terrible day and something joyous happens and you're like, I don't want to smile. I don't want to be happy, but you can't help it. It just flows out. It's a response. If joy is an emotional response, how can God command it of us? Seems unfair. You're telling me to be joyful. I can't just be joyful. I can't just. Okay. Hi, everyone. Have you been around people who show fake joy? It's worse than if they would just be grumpy. How? How are we supposed to be joyful? How are we supposed to rejoice in all things? How are we supposed to Be filled with joy when we live in a broken world, when we constantly make mistakes, when other people harm us, when just the mess of the world sometimes seems to suffocate us and damps down everything that would be good. How are we supposed to have joy? God, how dare you command us to do something that is impossible? And again, I say, I understand that because I struggle with joy. Let me clarify one more thing before I give us some maybe hints or or encouragement please don 't think that joy needs to be this exuberant, happy smile. We can be sorrowing yet rejoicing that doesn 't make sense in the world because those seem like contradictory things. But in the Bible, they don't contradict because our joy isn't in the present circumstance. I could be sorrowing about this pain, this suffering, this, this heartbreak, but I know that there's joy even amidst this because this is not the be all end all. So, how can we be a church that enjoys and glorifies God? How can we grow in enjoying and glorifying God? I come again to Psalm 16, verse 11. The psalmist writes this You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If you want joy, Christian, if you want joy, non Christian, God has told you where it is in his presence. So how do we grow this joy? How do we grow in glorifying God? I don't have an exhausted list. Here's what I got. First thing, check your heart. If God makes known the path of life, are you pursuing another path thinking life is found at the end of that? Do you think finances or where you will find life or fame or sex or power or influence do you believe life is found outside of the Lord? Check your heart. The psalmist writes that the fullness of joy is found in God's presence. How do we come into the presence of God? Prayer, pray. Set the Lord before you. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Take time to pray. Pray. Read your Bible. Labor to know the character of God. Open this thing up and see how good he is. See the beauty of his majesty. You should get to page one, depending on how your Bible's printed. And it should be sufficient for you to find joy in the Lord. To see his beauty and his majesty, to see his glory, to see his goodness, to see his loving kindness, to see his mercy. Where are you going to do that here? Know him. Enter into his presence. Open up the word. How else can we enjoy and glorify God? Keep his commandments. Jesus said in John's gospel, those who obey his commands, he shows himself to don't believe me check out john 14 verse 21 do what god has called you to do and you will find that he will draw near to you another way we can glorify and enjoy god more is to have fellowship with the saints have you ever been in in a conversation with another believer and they're sharing What God has done in their life, in their life, not your life, in their life. And you look and you're like, man, God is amazing. You know what you just did there? You glorified him. And you probably found a little piece of joy. He did that for you. What? The fellowship of the saints gathered together. We remind one another of who God is. We get to see what God has done. We gather here together. We sing songs. How can you sing some of the words of the songs that we sang earlier today and think, God's not for my joy. He just wants to rob me of all the fun things. And I don't know. I'll say this. I'm sorry. Sorry, Leah. My wife is a way better worshiper than me. But when I'm in the room worshiping and she's doing her thing next to me, I find joy because I'm like, that woman is finding joy. That makes me joyful. And then I look over on the side and there's another gentleman. I'm not gonna point him out. When I look at him and he's joyfully singing, it's really hard for me to not find joy and be like, if these two people have joy in the Lord, man, I'm happy because they're finding joy in him. And then that sparks joy in me and that makes me wanna sing more songs and sing louder and, and, and find this joy and remember what God has done. But that happens when the saints gather together. Another way we can enjoy and glorify God is simply remember. Remember what God did for you in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Consider the works of Jesus on your behalf. Consider how you are continuing to be blessed by the work of Christ. In big ways, and small ways, plain and simple, what I'm trying to say is if you want more joy, be grateful, be thankful. We have so much to, so much to praise, so, much, so many reasons to give glory and honor to God. Another way to glorify and find joy, serve. When we manifest the character of a serving king, it sparks joy in him. Jesus tells us that when we serve others, they get to see the glory of God. It's in Matthew 5, 16. Serve. And my final way to cultivate joy is And this one you're probably already doing part of the way. Enjoy the gifts God's given you. In 1 Timothy chapter six, verse 17, Paul says, God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Enjoy your friendships. Delight in the victory of that team. Savor the goodness of bacon. Rejoice in the promotion. Find satisfaction in a quiet day. Why? Because all those gifts are given to you by a gracious God who is for your joy. And in those gifts, you see a glimpse, a glimmer of a far superior joy that will find its yes and amen in God. Think about the things you enjoy. Enjoy them. Tickle your kids and have fun with them. Laugh, eat a good meal and find joy in the fact that God gave you taste buds for absolutely no reason. Why? I think the reason God gave us taste buds is so that we could read the words, taste and see that I am good. Because we had no taste buds that would make no sense. enjoy the snow why because he's got a whole storehouse full of it and because there's glory in knowing that the snow will not last forever the sun will rise it will melt away and life will come again why because god is a giver of life and there's joy to be found in that enjoy Enjoy the things he's given you, but be willing to surrender them. Hold them in loose hands, knowing that I will pour out all of these things so that I can have more of him. Your joy is not inconsequential. It is essential for a life that pleases and glorifies God. I pray that we would be like this man that Jesus uses in his parable, that we would see the treasure of who God is and we would pour out everything with joy so to obtain more of him. God in his infinite holy glory is the only thing that will satisfy your soul. You were created for his glory, but you were also created to find joy in him. He doesn't want to rob you of joy. He wants to complete it because we glorify the things we enjoy. So let us enjoy the Lord because he is worthy of all praise, because he is so glorious. Let's pray. Lord God, forgive us when we diminish who you are. Forgive us when we believe the lie that you are not for our joy, that you are trying to steal joy from us, when you are trying to, to put limits on us. But the reality is, Lord, all the things that you say no to are not to withhold joy, but instead to guide us to the places where true joy is found. Lord, help us to enjoy the things that you, the Father of, of lights, give so graciously but as we are enjoying them let us see you through them so that we find our joy not in the gift but in the giver of the gift and that we glorify him Lord we do want to glorify you because you are worthy of all praise and all glory thank you for not just being a glorious God but also being a good and soul-satisfying God because that is a God worthy of being glorified. I pray that each day, Lord, that you give us breath to breathe, that we would grow in our pursuit of you and find more joy so that we glorify you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Kurt.
1: I enjoyed that message. (laughs) Last week we introduced a new song. It's a hymn, it's very simple musically. It's titled Grace. And one key thing that I've come to learn is that I don't have to conjure up joy, I don't have to conjure up faith in myself. As believers, grace gives us, God's grace. Is the, is the source of our faith and our joy. We just need to be in him. So stand and join us as we sing about God's grace. i will see me welcome home to walk beside my
0: i send you out just some brief announcements uh first if you're sitting on this side if you guys wouldn't mind helping stack those chairs and if you want to help roll them into the closet we would appreciate that and the other request is once we do stack those uh we want to encourage you to fellowship to have time but maybe just move either over to this area or out into the foyer so that as the chairs are getting moved around nothing no one gets run over or or hurt or